Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome back to the Dog Days of Movies. My name is Eli Holm. This is the podcast where I go down the rabbit hole and explore any sleazy, uncomfortable, hard-to-watch movie that makes it a terrible day for the characters involved and, I guess, the audience as well. Hence the name, The Dog Days of Movies. Uh, welcome back, everybody. Um, it's been, I think, two weeks. I did The Innocence two weeks ago, which sadly was the only horror movie I did for the podcast, uh, which was a little sad, but I also just barely had time in October. It was a busy month, and it's probably going to get even busier uh, as we go along. So, yeah, uh, I'm going to just stick to every two weeks. I'm not going to try anything crazy. So, I know I said last week that I would be doing uh, From Beyond from Stuart Gordon next week, but yeah, we're going to do that in two weeks after this episode gets released um, because I'm very tired a lot of the times and I don't want to make my life harder than uh, it sometimes already is. So, yeah. And speaking of being tired, it's already been a long day. I already did uh, pretty much went to the gym, did uh, a swim meet earlier, which was a lot of fun. But, you know, now it's time to now it's time to do something I've actually been looking forward to for ever since I started the month of October because I knew I wanted to do some form of like, okay, here's here's what I watched in October uh, because I mainly watched horror movies. I watched uh, 81 movies in total in October, and I, 59 of those were horror or at least, like, horror-adjacent. Um, hold up. Uh, so, yeah, I wanted to just do an episode, talk through it, and, yeah, just, like, horror movie recommendations and what I watched because I felt like that would be easy and I watched enough movies to probably last like an hour um and just like right off the bat like starting starting off I like had a planned watch list that I was trying to watch through and then I think like a week into October I realized you know what this is too hard let me just watch whatever horror movie I'm interested in and make it easy for myself. I'm really bad at, like, sticking to a watch list because anytime I try and, like, map out what I want to be watching for the day, it ends up failing and I'm not so good at sticking to a schedule. So, which is what I've been doing which is what I've been trying to do recently, and just, like, whatever I feel like watching, I'm gonna watch, and there's not gonna be any, like, I'm not, I'm trying not to do that temptation of, like, of, like, uh, well, 
and but I guess that also kind of just means like like when I sit down to watch a movie if I'm not interested within the first 10 minutes or so I'm out I'm absolutely out unless it's like part of a series that I actually want to watch then I'll watch it which like I'm glad that I switched to that way of watching movies because then it just leaves the door open for a lot more interesting uh interesting things to do and and watch like recently recently my uh diary on letterboxd has looked all over the place uh which is good because it's like it's like okay i can go from um let's see here i watched oh kanton great little japanese gore monster movie whatever into a a marvel movie that i ended up hating werewolf by night which i didn't get to i wanted to watch it during october because it's like one of the few horror adjacent mcu projects out there um and one of my friends wants to do a, a project of um of like a little like like just going through and talking about the mcu for something so whether or not that's a podcast me and her are gonna do it uh eventually so that just means that i need to catch up on some of the some of the uh mcu movies i haven't seen and yeah werewolf by night (laughs) one star movie and pretty much hated every minute of it so there was one shot where I said that is really cool and the rest of it I was like this is exactly like every other movie um yeah and then yesterday actually I got back into uh which I know this sounds a little you know controversial for the modern state of where we're at right now but I ended up getting back into Christopher Nolan's stuff after having not even like it's it's weird how how your taste can change over an entire year because I started out 2022 being like you know denouncing the blockbuster genre uh, hating everything Christopher Nolan has done, like, you know, pretty much being very cynical about where movies are at in, like, the Hollywood blockbuster landscape. And then uh, realizing that, like, that's actually a really interesting, like, thing to study about where pop culture has has gone throughout these past few years and more specifically where the roots of um how superhero movies have evolved and how high concept uh big budget dramas have evolved throughout the past let's see this came out memento came out in 2000 so i guess i'm looking at the past like 22 years um yeah speaking so like memento which i watched yesterday uh christopher nolan's first big movie he had one before 
uh, incredible, like absolutely incredible, high concept, um, sort of semi-experimental, uh, like mind fuck movie. Like I, I loved it. Um, and then I followed that up with, uh, Batman Begins and absolutely loved it. Like I just, uh, I'm glad I'm actually trying to get out of the headspace of like, of like, you have to like obscure, you know, whatever else when in reality the the actual like pop culture discussion around big budget things like this is pretty fascinating to look at um does that mean that uh you know batman begins is going to be a favorite of all time no absolutely not it was so goofy so much fun but still like good to look at um and and yeah i i I don't know. It was it was a lot of fun. That's really all I can say uh, about that. I guess. So let's see. What else can I say? Um, oh yeah. Before I get into the actual list of like what I watched, I think it was interesting to start out and and actually sink in two horror movies in a way that I haven't done beforehand because like yeah I would say mainly I watch horror movies and things like that but really I guess I haven't dived deep into like the actual like genre fair movies I guess I was just sort of sort of scooting in and out of that and sort of staying in my own little pocket Um, and so actually diving in to horror movies in a way was interesting because you start to learn and then you start to meet other people on Letterboxd and follow their accounts and, and see what they're watching. And you see that like to be a fan of an entire genre means like you watch everything like it doesn't matter if it's a random sequel to a movie and you know that the sequel is going to or, or it doesn't even matter if you watch a movie and it's garbage you're you watch the sequel automatically it's just a given that you watch the sequel which is just a fascinating way to watch movies and i love it i was like this is how you should be watching movies is just you like the genre so you're open to seeing everything that it has to offer and seeing every little side of it for what it is um so that was a lot of fun so i definitely did try and watch some sequels i'm looking at the list now i didn't exactly do that a lot of the time um but I also wanted to just watch a lot of movies so uh my original plan was to like watch all the Halloween movies because I haven't done that uh but I ended up watching about four of them and yeah they're all incredible so <laughs> like I yeah I don't know I mean 
lot of fun, I guess. Um, anyways, yeah, let's just dive right into it, I guess. Uh, I started the month off with a 1917 film from, what country is this from? From Italy, and it is a movie called Rhapsodia Satanica, and first, uh, word in the title, no clue what that means, but obviously, Satan, incredible, so this was like a, this was like, I, you know, and I don't really, I'm gonna keep it real with you, I don't really remember a whole lot from this movie, because it's like, you know, when, when you're watching a movie from so long ago, that is completely silent, keep it real, man, I'm not so sure I'm gonna like it and watch all of it and give it my full attention apart from how, how can this relate to the history of, of movies? It's like a good, it's like a watching a history lesson, and obviously there's such, like, a universal making a deal with the devil in a lot of horror movies, a lot of stories in general. So that was interesting. And the, uh, the cinematography in this was really good. Um, there were a lot of shots that were definitely really, like, um, like, movement-heavy, which was different at the time. Uh, there are reels that are missing, there's a lot of fuzzy scratches on the screen, but, you know, for being from 1917, I liked it. So, yeah, and, uh, of course, uh, for being a 45-minute movie, watch it at work. You'll get that a lot because with, uh, with these types of, with me just going through what I watched, because, I had someone comment on one of my reviews and they were like, why do you watch all these random movies that are like 45 minutes long and nobody has ever heard of them before, but somehow you found a random copy on YouTube, internet archive, whatever else. Uh, and yeah, it's because 45 minutes is still a movie in my opinion. So I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna watch it and I'm gonna log it, I guess. Uh, yeah, I'm going through my letterbox list of what I watched in Halloween, or October, I guess. Uh, and then, of course, followed that up, still at work, still on the same day, followed it up with David Lynch's Rabbits. I don't think I've ever talked about David Lynch on this podcast before, but my goodness, uh, I know it's like cheesy, you know, the 17-year-old kid who loves movies. Of course I like David Lynch, but he got me into movies when I watched Twin Peaks and Firewalk With Me and Mulholland Drive like a year ago when I watched it for the first time, that's when I was like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to start diving into movies again. Like this, it's time for me to actually sit down and watch some movies. 
um, and rabbits is Lynch at his most experimental. I love rabbits so much. I think I've got it ranked number three in my Lynch ranking. Uh, I think so. Because it's only 40 minutes long. It's, it makes absolutely no sense. And yet, like, the horrific vibe that it gives off is just amazing. Uh, you can find a copy on YouTube. That's where he uploaded all of it. But basically, if you've never seen it before, it's David Lynch's version of a sitcom. And it's like, it's like a... a a sterile camera the camera doesn't move at all and it's just sitting watching a room and it's a living room that makes no sense um and the it's just three rabbits in a room and or humanoid rabbits i should say it's uh naomi watts and a couple other people in rabbit suits and they're talking and the script makes no sense, and it's amazing. I love it. You really can't describe it beyond that. The the literal, like, the, the only plot description that Lynch gave out when he released it was, In a nameless city, deluged by a continuous rain, three rabbits live with a fearful mystery. And that's all it is. Uh... And the way that I look at this, and I've always wanted to do an episode or some dissection of this movie as well as the sequel to this movie, um, Inland Empire, which is Lynch's three-hour insane experimental uh, culmination of all of his movies. Um, that's an incredible film. But Rabbits is like... To me, I look at it as, imagine 50 years from now, what will movies look like? That's a concept I've always found really interesting, is like, what, what's, the, what's the end goal for all of media when right now a lot of movies are about telling this giant spectacle but telling it in the most non-humanist way possible. A lot of blockbusters nowadays are, are very, very big on spectacle, but none of it, none of it, like, actually matters in terms of, of, you know, hu humanity, I guess. And so, Rabbits, to me, is like the end of sitcoms, when 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 we realize that sitcoms already are completely pointless not put with any humanity emotional depth actual human emotions inside of it and what what does the end goal look like and so rabbits is like this end all be all where uh the characters aren't talking about anything, none of it matters, why are they rabbits, why is there rain, why does the phone keep ringing, why is there a devil that appears in the corner of the room sometimes, 
Um, why is the camera positioned like that and doesn't move? You know, what, what are they actually talking about? But it, it doesn't matter because when, when we reach this ultimate end-all, be-all, like I said, of sitcoms, this will be all that's left. And it's just like a corner of the room. This is it. This is all that's getting produced when when the post-apocalyptic whatever you want to call it happens this will be all that's left when you turn on the tv at on a friday night and you sit down with your family and you watch rabbits and it makes no sense it's mindless entertainment there's nothing comforting about it like most sitcoms Except, well, I guess that's not true because there is like a familiarity aspect associated with it. Uh, but Rabbits is not. <laughs> it's not familiar unless you're like me who's watched it, you know, more than a hel- more than what's a healthy amount of times to watch a experimental movie about a bunch of rabbits. Um, so, yeah, this is not a lot of fun, but it's so beautiful uh, i love rabbits it's like the ultimate post cinema post modern look at sitcoms and uh putting human emotions to their most absolutely unnecessary level and just sort of letting everything be out in the open and none of it matters and it's horrifying and I love to imagine uh, a family of people 50 years in the future in like a, a crazy post-industrial landscape sitting down to watch rabbits. The rain is going outside. They sit down and they watch a bunch of rabbits talk about absolutely nothing. Um, this is probably my biggest recommendation just because I want more people to see this, because I think it's really underrated uh, in Lynch's filmography. And I think a lot of people don't consider it anything when they're talking about uh, David Lynch. So go watch this one. It's incredible. Um, yeah, and then I followed that up. I literally finished Rabbits and then left work to go and watch The Shining in theaters. Uh, my local theater, actually like right next to um, right next to where I work, which is a lot of fun, was playing it. They uh, just opened up um, and they have like a, they, they reopened and for their reopening, they made one corn the they made the entire third floor based off of the shining so when i was walking up the stairs i didn't know anything about this and i saw like on the wall you know the the iconic image of the two girls and then when i turned to look at the third floor it was the literally the bar from the movie which was very cool where jack sits down and talks to the bartender um, and then, and then they had like the, the door, the smashed door with red rum in it. They had, uh, they had Jack's, uh, typewriter there. All of it was super cool. 
Um, it was very ridiculous watching a bunch of, uh, of like, rich white woman sit in a, in a bar from The Shining, um, you know, and uh, get drunk before watching The Shining. I literally stood in the corner uh, because there was, like, you know, 20 minutes before the movie started and just watched a bunch of people and talked to this random guy who was also going there alone. Um, and we were like, this is absurd if you've seen the movie. Uh, it was very funny. I had probably the worst seat to watch The Shining. I was in the the front row on all the way to the left. Thankfully, they were recliner seats. That didn't help. I don't know why theaters... Also, like, they rebuilt it, so I'm not sure why they didn't just make the staircase seating. Anyways, what are you gonna do? Um, The Shining, I, I'm not, like, I wasn't sure if I was gonna spoil a lot of what I watched in this, uh, but I'll spoil The Shining because it's The Shining, and, and it's interesting the uh one of my favorite podcasts blank check always talks about cultural osmosis and the idea of like of like you don't even you don't even need to have seen the actual movie to know what's happened in the shining whether or not you've seen the simpsons whether or not you've just gone on social media you you know exactly what happens in The Shining, uh, whether or not you've read the book, like, I, you know, it doesn't matter, you know what's happening, you know the Here's Johnny stuff, you know the two girls, you know everything about this movie, um, which is interesting, because actually sitting down to re and I hadn't seen it in a couple of years, I think I watched it first, uh, I don't know, and then... I was like, you know what, I'm gonna, I'll read the book, so I've read the book before, I definitely enjoy the book a lot better, I think it actually gets down to a lot of the, of the aspects of, like, the, the domestic abuse and alcohol abuse in the, uh, in the story that I find a lot more interesting than what Stanley Kubrick choose, uh, chose to do which was sort of strip all of that down and make it a very um, uncomfortable experience uh, and, and you know, make everything seem so alien and, and so... It, the best way to describe it is, like, the tension is insane, not because something is about to jump out at you, be but because of what's not going to jump out at you. There's no, there's no, like, big speech about, oh, you know, and, and Jack, man, and, and his alcoholism, and things like that, and oh, Wendy, you know, we need to feel really bad for her because of what's happening. Uh, by the way, Shelley Duvall carries the movie. I realized that the first, this time watching it, I was like, nobody... Nobody is doing, well, everybody's in, like, you know, such an uncomfortable place because of how Stanley Kubrick chose to shot this movie, doing, like, 
at least 50 shots per or 50 takes per shot which is madness um but Shelley Duvall is the only one who I think truly understands the assignment and the characters and notices how how she can play a distressed uh woman who's also only goal is to escape from this and like become her own person uh outside of uh, uh basically just a rotting corpse is how i look at jack and someone who's who's being taken over by alcoholism and his search for power through writing and then also um also being taken over by the hotel and the magical spirits that uh that control him throughout the movie and instead of instead of the movie being like well you know jack is really only being jack is really only acting this way because of that instead uh and this is you know described more in the book but it's like no jack is vulnerable because he is nothing and because already his uh terrible desires and terrible alcoholism and domestic abuse make him this way and so therefore he's just so vulnerable to the point where the hotel can take over and uh yeah and can um make him just the the terrible force that he is um yeah i don't really care much to talk about it anymore i think the again it's the shining like you literally you you just can't say a whole lot about it which is such a cop-out and i think like i think the other thing that blank check the podcast was talking about was like people hype this movie up to where it should be put put on like this giant filmmaking pedestal and this crazy movie with so many theories and so many different ways to interpret it and then when you watch the movie it's one of the most simple stories ever told and it's like no what's happening is he's a rotting corpse he's being taken over by the hotel he's tormenting everybody else and the hotel will keep doing this till the day it finally burns to the ground and even then the spirits live on and that's that that's the entire movie instead people are like no but but the moon landing and and stanley kubrick did that and it's like guys i don't care um anyways we're moving on from that otherwise i'll get too uh too rant like and i don't want to because yeah uh best kubrick is still um still between 2001 and eyes wide shut although it's probably eyes wide shut because that's like literally my favorite movie of all time so yeah um anyways then followed that up we're like this is i i was like this is gonna be such a short episode and now it's not but you know also i don't really care this is fun talking about this stuff um so then i followed that up with kite from 1998 this is a more popular 
version of like the obscure Japanese um like like grungy sort of uh yeah yeah here's a good a good review from someone I follow Kaiju Man on Letterboxd uh saying like like basically in the 90s anime was super experimental and a lot of it was just graphic uh graphic sex and violence and a lot of it made no sense but it was all done up in this like crazy style and a lot of anime was just let's let's animate a bunch of taboo controversial subjects and see what happens and see how much we can get banned for making this um i watched there's multiple versions of kite out there and i found a reddit thread of someone posting all of them and there's like five different versions you can watch of this movie so i clicked the first one and it was the unedited director's cut uh but what i didn't know was the director's cut was then ultimately like produced by a japanese porn company so which is kind of absurd if you watch the actual movie and you you're like okay so we're, we're getting into the plot we're getting into the plot okay boom sex scene you know uh so that was kind of funny because most of this movie is just uh sawa is a cold-blooded killer and she kills people and you don't need to you don't need to actually see how weird the relationship is with her uh with her person that tells her who to kill i don't know what to call that uh, or the criminal mastermind, but instead they chose to animate how weird the relationship is and uh, how not okay it is. And did it add anything to the movie? Well, I guess that's for you to decide. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say that I enjoyed it because I really didn't, but I think it's a pretty great OVA for being in that style of um, really graphic, uh, Japanese exploitation from the 90s, so, yeah, um, okay, then I followed that up with All Hallows Eve from 2013, my first actual Halloween movie of the month, um, this was pretty good, uh, I watched it because Terrifier 2 came out this month. I have not seen it yet, but this is the first movie that Art the Clown was featured in, uh, and it's very much a low-budget horror. It's pretty ridiculous. Um, Art the Clown is so stupid. He's so goofy, um, and it's like, it's, it's like a anthology collection where two kid the wraparound story is two kids get an old VHS tape on Halloween night some creep puts it in their bag and the stories are one of them is like two people end up oh, I got a 
bug on my finger. Um, it's like two people end up in the underground of a subway station and there's a bunch of monsters and that's the that's the first story second story there's a bun there's a monster in someone's house and third story is art the clown is coming after you and killing people uh very absurd a lot of fun I, yeah, what are you gonna do? It's a low-budget horror movie for 80 minutes. Um, it's a, it was a lot of fun. Art the Clown is so stupid, uh, and so much fun. Um, yeah, and then I followed that up with Cyclops from 1987. This is like a, what, how do you even want to describe it? Um, this is my exact type of movie. Like, when I say, when I say, like, this is what I want to watch, this is absolutely what I want to watch. Um, this was, like, a gross, uh, Japanese exploitation, um, movie with so much ridiculous gore, uh, chest bursting, like, heads exploding, someone becomes a drill at some point, uh, it's absurd and it's so much fun there is no subtitles for this and so the two the first two-thirds of the movie are ridiculous um but there's like yeah there's like body morphing into like this giant cyclops drill monster in the very end there's a bunch of maggots everywhere people grow different amounts of, uh, limbs and stuff, man, it's so cool, uh, there's, of course, there's, in all these low-budget, uh, shot-on-video Japanese gore shorts, whatever, um, there's a bunch of Yakuza's and a bunch of weird, uh, pinku undertones to it, it's so much fun, um, I'm trying to find yeah, uh, man, it's, yeah, it's really cool, um, yeah, there's, okay, there's literally, uh, a, I'm, like, I'm reading my review of it, and I forgot that there was, like, a, uh, like, a giant slime monster that someone gives birth to, uh, like, a maggot-shaped, like, like, chicken thing, Jesus Christ, this is so cool. Yeah, um, I could not even tell you the plot of this movie. It's just really cool. Then I followed that up with another movie. Then actually the next three or four of these could not give you a single idea what the plot was about. Uh, I followed it up with The Boxer's Omen from 1983, which is an insane mix of wrestling, religion, um, wizards, monsters, uh, zombies, human heads, crazy insanity, um, like, like, blood, guts, pus escaping from everything, uh, any bug or creature you can think of, this movie has it, and at, and at the center of this, let me, let me get back to my review, because I actually think my review is pretty good for this. 
Um, but at the center of it is like this crazy descent into uh, religious rebirth. And uh, like a lot of it is um, the battle between good and evil, reality versus religion, uh, your own human nature versus the laws of Buddhism and what actually matters in life. Um, it, dude, it's so cool. Uh, a main, someone has a crisis while they're in a boxing match. And so they decide to go on a Buddhist religious revolution. Um, and one side of him, the, like the, the human nature desires, uh, sexual violence, whatever else desires, are um, manifesting as a devil and the other side is the buddhist god and it's a war of that and it's amazing um absolutely recommend that one uh then of course followed it up another uh, absurd movie that i probably couldn't even begin to describe the plot to you um, another Japanese exploitation movie that I watched, uh, without subtitles, um, but it's so cool. Uh, it was called, let, let me get this pronunciation right, Daikai Nayama Wonderland Horror. Um, could not tell you the plot of this, I'm, I'm sorry, um... Yeah, it's very lighthearted, very ridiculous, but it's basically three girls from an idol school. So, of course, you get the classic Japanese low-budget shot-on-video shots <coughs> Excuse me, of just random girls dancing. Uh, of course, you get the, you get the um, ridiculous gore. Uh, yeah. Um, let's see here. There's, there's shots. Okay, so the, let's see here. I'm reading someone else's review. One of my favorite reviewers here. Uh, Bjork Shandy on Letterboxd. Um, and the first, the first girl is killed by a punk rock band. The second girl is killed by, uh, Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees. Um, and the third and final girl, uh, is given a rifle that magically gifts her cowgirl clothes. Man, I need to watch this movie again. This is awesome. Uh, yeah, no, it was awesome. Um, it's just hard because these movies I watch during work because they're 45 minutes and I have more time to watch it at home, but it's like, I'm going to watch a 45-minute movie while I'm working. So, I'll, I'll re-watch that again. Um, and then I watched... Uh, I actually watched this entire series. So, I'll just give you my rundown of it now. Um, but I watched Angel of Darkness, which is absolutely the... Uh, like, we were talking kite beforehand of, like... The ridiculous um, ways that anime in the 90s experimented with how taboo this stuff can get. Um, this is so cool, so stupid, 
and just like insane. Um, it's like, uh, basically, basically it's, um, let me see here. What is it? What, like, how do I even describe it to you? It's basically, uh, an ancient plant monster gets released and, uh, tries to, tries to rape a bunch of girls and in a school, someone tries to save it. There are forest elves. There are uh, little gnome monsters. There are, yeah, crazy dwarfs, weird vegan, uh, vegan subtext, um, and a giant tree at the very end. And that's just the first movie. And the second, third, and fourth one all just keep expanding on that, but completely forget about the elves and the dwarfs and the giant tree that they introduced in the first one. So then it's literally like your classic um, tentacle, like uh, tentacle weird root system from plant, um, like hentai, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's absolutely absurd. It's insane. Like, it's better than you would want it to be for being, like, your ridiculous, um, slimy tentacle, uh, like, fight against sex demons that are secretly just tree tentacles movie. Um, but it's really cool and low-key, like, it kind of reminds me of, uh, like, a lot of the crazy Japanese live-action stuff, but instead, this one sort of has the aesthetic of, like, a Blade Runner movie, so it's really awesome. Uh, yeah, definitely not something that I could recommend to the kids, but a good, a good series nonetheless. I watched um, one, two, three, and four of those, and there are live action versions of those, so maybe I'll watch those as well. For the record, number two is the best. That one is like, um, that one is like, instead of evil tree, forest, plants, whatever, this one is like a man who, um, a man who, uh, who, like, ends up getting the the tree tentacle whatever becomes that and then unleashes havoc on a bunch of the female students um absolutely absurd a lot of fun so yeah um and then i followed well yeah i watched those throughout there but i'm not going to talk about each individual one you don't you don't need to hear about that um because they're all sort of they blend together um, then I watched Ograph from 1983, which is a, uh, oh, a French, oh, I thought it was German, but, no, okay, yeah, uh, it's Ograph the Mad Mutilator. This is the original, uh, low-budget, backyards, no-nonsense, um, like, slasher movie, if you want to call it even that. Uh, none of it makes any sense. Zombies get unleashed in the end. It's basically Rambo 
mixed with a slasher movie, and I know I haven't seen any of the Rambo sequels, but I know that that's basically where it comes. But it's like, Ogroff is uh, an AWOL soldier who lives in the French backwoods, and he... Oh, okay. So I guess the plot summary gives more context to it, uh, because the movie is silent. Uh, it's made in the 80s, but, you know, silent movie, whatever, you know, chill. Um, and I guess he still believes war is raging, and so he just kills everybody. Uh, it's awesome. It was kind of boring, if I'm being honest, but, you know, I liked it enough. It's pretty absurd, but it's a lot of fun. Um, then I watched probably my favorite, well, no, okay, I don't know, I, I, I go back and forth between, uh, Rabbits, this one, and a couple others as being my favorites of the month, but I watched Rosemary's Baby, and for the first time, uh, had not seen it before, and this is just brilliant, oh my goodness, uh, I was blown away by this, the, the, basically, like, the, the thought process of having your body, and more specifically, and I know I can't relate to this, um, but having your womb a place where you're creating life, and it's yours, uh, being stripped away and turned into this, um, like, insane body horror demon satanic panic um paranoia flick is just fantastic uh i don't think i have a lot to say about it because it's from the 60s and everybody loves it but my god i was just so enjoying it i fell in love with it immediately it's so cool um it's so horrifying probably the best poster of all time. Um, yeah, definitely want to check out more of Roman Polanski's stuff. Uh, I know he's not a good person, but also, uh, hey, uh, Satanists aren't, well, yeah, in the movie, the Satanists aren't good people either. And I don't know where I'm going with that. Um, anyways, I followed that up with I guess I keep saying, like, I followed that up with it. Uh, these are, like, all between multiple days. But I watched The Descent from 2005. Oh, did not know that it was 2005, the year I was born. Um, this is just a gnarly movie. This is, like, it, it, it's already horrifying to me to be stuck in a cave. But to add on, like, an insane monster movie, um, like, evolved species of humans, <coughs> excuse me, that were never introduced to the outside world and are now cave-dwelling monsters, uh, and they're just attacking these people that have come to invade their area, because they went off the map, and they went into this strange area, um, wow, it's so good, so, like, the, watching this, you, you really, like, and I know it's semi-low budget, 
But at the same time, I kept being like, how did they pull this off? Because it's literally filmed inside a cave, although I hope it is. Uh, and it doesn't matter because even if it's not, it looks like it and it's incredible. The monster action is insane. Um, the ending of it uh, even ties it all back to trauma, which is always lovely to do for a horror movie because <laughs> the last scream of the movie left me chilled. Um, I watched this home alone with my dog and I kept looking around the room horrified that one of the monsters was going to attack me. Um, and, and yeah, it's just great. Uh, based in trauma and then, um, going on this crazy expedition to find yourself again and, uh, coming up on a crazy, uh, bloodthirsty creature feature monster movie uh five stars one of my favorites of the month uh the next day i watched lake mungo this was perfect like i yeah i have heard about this movie for a long time this is from 2008 and the way i can describe it is like a twin peaks sort of the the premise of Laura Palmer going missing and investigating what happened to her except it's done it's done with like the the dissection of ghosts and video cameras and um and para uh paranormal psychologists um and whether or not you believe in ghosts and just you know, what happened in this young girl's, uh, past life, and what led up to her death, um, it's horrifying, it's really tragic, uh, I won't spoil a lot of it, but, uh, what I wrote in my Letterboxd review was, actually, I'm just gonna read, I really love my Letterboxd review for this, and I feel like this is, um, I feel like this is a good summation of the movie, I said, images of memories long gone, captured in the retina of the camera. The things we do to connect with people that have passed. There's still a girl longing to be found, trapped in the liminality of death, the waiting space. I wish I told you more. Uh, I feel like that really encapsulates the movie. Um, it's not so much a horror movie as it is just... I felt terrible by the end of it. Um, absolutely soul-crushing. Uh, I'm going to drink some water real quick. Um, then I followed that up. Of course, this was really the... This and, like, Rosemary's Baby were the only... <coughs> were the only ones that I was like, I have to watch these. So I watched uh, the only two Saw movies I watched this month. I will probably watch the rest of them, but I watched Saw 1 and Saw 2. They're just absurd. They're so... The, the actual filmmaking is incredible. The story is absurd. Uh, James Wan's fascination with sped-up, rotating cameras, uh, crazy camera angles, 
crazy trap setups and hyper speed um horror is always fantastic um saw is just so much fun the philosophy of like of like well you know humans don't care about their lives until they're put into horrifying situations is inherently a really good thought it's just wow these movies don't understand a single part of their philosophical dissection and yet are a boatload of fun uh ridiculous twists at at the end of both these movies and of course i will be watching all like 10 of these i don't know how many they are there are but they're so much fun and the posters are incredible so yeah those were a lot of fun um then i watched during work i watched a movie called monster heaven from 1986 uh this was great this is another low budget japanese shot on video uh no subtitles available on the internet um it's like uh it's like uh um let's see here um yeah it's an anthology of short horror movies and it's sort of it's sort of like a, a remake of 2001 a space odyssey no i'm not kidding i'm not kidding uh but it's like a a fantasy legend style dissection of cryptids in the past in uh japanese culture and trying to dissect that to provide a reason for the mistakes of today um yeah it's crazy there's a lot of weird uh film history and storytelling dissections involved with it it's so good the ending is incredible and gets really like metaphysical um and gets very psychedelic and it's so good uh pr may mm, no definitely not my favorite of the weird um japanese stuff that i watch but a lot of fun uh then i watched another weird anime ova this one was called puppet princess uh this was absurd this is it's so stupid it's pretty ridiculous um basically it was like uh a, a girl traveling through the um traveling through the forest and she's got these puppets that she controls and that's her superpower and uh basically she controls it using her flesh and that's probably the coolest part of the movie the rest of it is a lot of hyperspeed ninja fighting that doesn't really get back to the the cool ideas of uh fleshy puppets protruding out of you and using your flesh as a way to fight um i thought that idea was pretty cool otherwise it was okay um let's see here then i watched another japanese low budget uh movie that i want to rewatch, so i won't talk about it too much 
but it was called Kyrie Ellison. Um, it was from 1993, and uh, I, I really liked it, but at the same time, uh, it was sort of just, it was sort of, I don't know, it was a little, a little boring, and I couldn't get into a lot of it, but I think I was tired. A lot of it was sort of Videodrome from David Cronenberg, uh, told more Pinku style, um, which Pinku, which I'll, I'll mention more throughout the episode. No, because I only watched a couple more. Um, but yeah, it's just basically any Japanese, uh, like, um, any, any Japanese low budget shot on video that's, uh, taboo in nature is called, um, is called Pinku is the way I look at it. So yeah, I watched, I watched Kyrie Ellison. It was all right. Uh, and then I followed that up with an absurd title that I don't really want to say out in front. Um, so I'll just call it, uh, oh, and there's no alternate titles to call it, uh, as, but basically, uh, yeah, it was called S and M clinic. Uh, and it was like a, a dissection of, um, yeah, this like automatically one of my favorite movies I watched this month, just getting that off right off the bat. Um, it's insanely like hard to watch and it's about, um, it's about someone going to a, uh, like a, a sadist, um, a sadist, uh, how do I, psychologist and because of trauma of the past and trying to trying to find solace in something, but ending up, uh, tied into this crazy mirror world of sadism and, like, this black void, um, and, and it's just, like, viscerally so lonely and so hard to watch, um, like, cold scalpels everywhere, um, a lot of crazy machinery, computer screens, uh, eyeballs merging, um, flesh and blood, and, and every other substance mixing together, <coughs> uh, mixing together into this dissection of patient versus the doctor, husband versus wife, sadist versus masochist, um, and how it all connects to the next generation who will be the real victims of the power dynamics that you couldn't control and, uh, the visceral loneliness that you couldn't, um, you couldn't get past and how that's all going to play out. Uh, I will probably rewatch that because I think me talking about it doesn't really do it justice a whole lot. Um, but yeah, I loved this. It's one of my favorites from this director, uh, Sato, uh, Hiseyasu Sato. 
Um, I've loved pretty much all his movies. They're all like David Cronenberg, but with a lot more um, sex and flesh and everything else. They're so cool. Uh, that was one of my favorites by him. Uh, I followed that up with Demons from 1985. Uh, oh, and actually, I'm going to pause this and I'll get recording again. Hold up. Okay, yeah, so Demons, uh, directed by Lamberto Bava, who is one of the staples of the Italian giallo movement, which uh, I don't even know how to describe the giallo movement besides uh, if you've seen Suspiria, The Beyond, um, Demons, what are some other... I watched one other giallo this month, but I definitely want to get into more of them because Demons was absolutely perfect. It's about a group of people trapped in a, uh, in a, a movie theater infested with demons that come out from the well okay i guess they don't come out from the screen um but when uh when these basically these this group of people they all get invited to see this new movie playing at a uh a just opened up theater and there's a demon uh who is behind all of this and the movie they're playing um, is like the the demon spell basically, and it infects people in the audience. Maybe not really. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Anyways, everybody is turning into demons, um, and two two people need to fight these and uh, fight the people who are getting possessed uh, and becoming demons. It turns into this crazy, apocalyptic nightmare um, of insane Japanese cinema. It's so good. Uh, there's blood and guts everywhere. There's cokehead uh, punk, punk rock people. Uh, each set piece is insane with gore flying from motorcycle uh, killing sprees. Uh, a helicopter comes through the ceiling at one point. Some guy is on a motorcycle, and he has a samurai sword, and he's killing all these demons. It's so much fun. I would kill to watch this movie in theaters. Uh, I will definitely be watching the sequels. There's, like, multiple sequels, uh, because something about Japanese—or not—or Giallo— is that all the sequels are insane and you don't know which one is a sequel and which one is just another movie. So I'll try to watch that. Um, then uh, I watched Scanning of Modulations from 2001 and I'm counting this uh, in it because although it's not really a horror movie, uh, I think a lot of people consider um, consider noise music, like harsh noise music, uh, to be horror adjacent. And so what this was, was a bunch of Japanese noise artists 
getting together and creating um creating visual uh visual music videos for their songs and then uh yeah putting it into a compilation of 15 modulations is what they call it and yeah it's literally 50 minutes of harsh noise and insane visuals some of the visuals are absurd it's like and and they they always like uh they're very trippy and psychedelic like um uh pre pre-internet uh cgi stuff like that or not pre-internet i guess when internet was just starting out and like pixar's cgi sort of that stuff and uh yeah at the end of each section they give um they give their uh, uh image that describes it and some of it is like a dog or a cat or clouds or a windmill or something you know uh classic stuff but one of them was just all right so we're we're out of this one okay let's let's see all right this one was crazy i wonder what the I wonder what the images mean. I wonder what they were thinking. And then, kid you not, just show a picture of someone's vagina. So, yeah, I don't really know what else to say besides that. Uh, it happened. It's a lot of harsh noise. It's so much fun. Um, yeah, I, I really like harsh noise music, despite the fact that it sounds terrible. Uh, I just think it's pretty interesting. Um, and then I watched Final Flesh. Now, this one, this one is funny. I'm going to drink some water before. Okay, so this one needs a little, needs some backstory. So, there was a... <laughs> Excuse me. Um, basically, when you... Uh, basically... There's a custom-made uh, porn company out there, and and it's not like a. This isn't a, a porno, obviously, but the the company was given a series of letters and checks from a bunch of comedians who were like who were like, let's just give them a bunch of dialogue that doesn't make any sense but revolves around the three same characters, all played by different actors in different situations. And so I think there's like five sections in total. They're each a different script, a different uh, plot line, whatever. And it's absurd. It's, and, and it's like the, the company was paid, and so they just have to do it. It, it feels like a prank, and that's because it is. Um, and the actors are incredible, acting through this ridiculous dialogue that they're given. Um, and all of it's about, like, the, the atomic bomb dropping and, like, a nuclear family on, on the edge of human existence, and they're meeting God in like this strange uh womb like area which is just someone's kitchen that they call the womb 
um, and they're waiting for reincarnation, but keep getting into these strange porn situations uh, with God. Man, it like it it shouldn't make sense. I I think it's on YouTube if you want to watch it. Um, but it's a lot of fun. So would def oh, and also they wear t-shirts the entire time that say uh porn for the people because that's the company that they were uh making this under so it's pretty funny uh and yeah it's written by uh, a bunch of it's written by a bunch of uh comedians and who sent the company scripts and said make this <laughs> um yeah then i watched uh, from 1999, another uh, low-budget Japanese shot-on video, whatever you want to call it, called Celluloid Nightmares. And this, I would say, is in line with something like The Ring or like one of those uh, Fox documentaries that you see of like, oh, you know, investigating the crazy underground um, you know, it, it reminds me of, like, Unsolved Mysteries or something, except this is, like, gets crazy surreal and basically breaks down the idea of what a film can even be. Um, it's about reporters, uh, researching, um, researching porn movies in Japan and they stumble across a snuff movie which is already like a really interesting idea that this stuff gets um, gets passed around in that uh, in that um, landscape of underground filmmaking. Uh, it's kind of like it's kind of like boogie nights if you know there was snuff movies involved, which that movie borderline gets there. Uh, to begin with, uh, I'll have to talk about Boogie Nights sometimes on Movie Rules. Um, anyways, this gets crazy near the end. Um, a lot of really disgusting, gory, uh, like, like, tough, bloody, um, snuff movies in it. Uh, it's crazy good. Uh, I really liked it. And, um, yeah, there, the, the, like, scene where they actually, like, like, sit down to watch the movie is so disturbing and genuinely made me really horrified. Um, and then they go to investigate where the snuff movie was filmed. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and they end up, like, getting involved in their own snuff movie, and then it takes this crazy turn, and the entire movie breaks down, and it's like, and it's like, no, this was the movie, no, 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 this is the movie, no, 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 wait, the actual director of the movie, of the, the real movie is coming out, oh, wait, wait, no, now he's getting killed, or, like, whatever, um... It's awesome. It's really cool. Uh, it's a lot of, like... Yeah, it, rem it for a while, it reminds you of, like, 
a strange uh like news report you would see just you know at night obviously um and then it gets uh insane and i really loved it so definitely recommend that one um and then let's see what did i watch then i watched another uh this one was from 2020 and it's called friend of the world um i don't really want to spend a whole lot of time on this one it was like a post-apocalyptic um sort of like you know two people at the end of the world one of them is a filmmaker one of them is a right-wing conspiracy theorist so obviously it was made in 2020 uh and yeah it's it's all right it was fun enough to watch at work although i didn't really care for it a whole lot um so yeah friend of the world i guess go watch it um and then i watched an amazing movie uh eyes without a face i could probably do a whole four hour episode on this movie uh it's from 1960 it's part of the french new wave and it involves um i watched it twice actually throughout the month uh it involves a woman who is trapped in a in a mansion of a rich and famous doctor who along with his uh with his um helper goes out into the streets of london and captures young girls brings them back to his mansion and removes their face because the woman trapped in the mansion uh she doesn't have a face uh after a horrible car crash and so it becomes this weird um sort of dissection of science slash beauty as the doctor tries to help his daughter who has lost her face and tries to transport a new face onto her um yeah it's so good uh all of it is like a um an allegory for you know what what do you see as actual beauty and can you go on living your life um in in beauty standards that aren't up to the rest of society and what everybody else sees as beautiful and can you go on living like that or should you try to um to meet those beauty standards uh no matter the consequences uh i.e you know removing um women's faces and killing them and turning other people uh, into, you know, quote-unquote monsters, because that's what they choose to call, that's what the doctor calls uh, his daughter at one point. Um, and yeah, I loved it. Uh, the ending gets very uh, interesting as she ends up accepting her mask that she wears, and uh, yeah, and goes out into the world and and you know tries to live on her own accepting her own form of beauty 
and whether or not that's okay uh, to live like. Um, I guess she thinks it is. So, um, yeah, happy for her. Um, yeah, it's it's really sweet. I'm, I sound like I'm being sarcastic, but it's actually just amazing. Uh, then I watched Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. I had only ever seen the first two Halloweens, so I wanted to watch the third one. Uh, the only thing I knew about it was it got a skeptical reputation and that there was no Michael Myers in it. And I, and I think it might be my favorite of the Halloween movies I've seen so far. It's just so, it feels so perfectly tailored to me. It's like this crazy, uh, apocalyptic onset of using uh, consumerism and Halloween masks and, uh, to kill a bunch of kids uh, throughout the throughout Halloween night as they watch the TV screen, and it's like the 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 general plot line is is a guy investigating these masks and who makes it, and so it's like this weird. Twin Peaks, David Cronenberg, um, video, horrifying, body horror, crazy movie. Um, I absolutely loved it. Uh, the ending is horrific, and yeah, I think it deserves a lot more love than the reputation it got, although I think people are starting to warm up to it, so that's good. It was the 40th anniversary this year. It was released in 1982, um, and it's awesome. Uh, then I watched, this is a long title, um, Go Nagai's Scary Zone, The Mysterious Demon. Um, this was an insane, well, okay, I guess the first story is insane. Uh, it's like a, a woman who's starving and ends up um, having like a fleshy dragon escape from her stomach to eat food and uh, it's like bathed in pink and red um, and the yeah it's so much of just a dragon eating food and people and it's awesome I loved it that's the first story the second one is so boring, uh, barely anything happens in it, so I'm not going to go over it. Um, that's another one, no subtitles, uh, watched on a, you know, watched on the internet archive, uh, it's fantastic. Then I watched Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, this one, of course, the return he's back uh after not being in the third one this one fairly good um i think the the ending is incredible some of the stuff is a little rocky but the whole idea of the the evil of the pure evil of michael myers manifesting itself into a little girl uh, at the end of the movie is incredible. The final, like, actually, 
I would say the last two acts are masterpieces and really get back to the original uh, empty streets of Haddonfield style that the original one goes for. And of course, the last act is obviously a masterpiece. Um, so yeah, that one was really good. Uh, I loved the whole generational trauma aspect of it and thought it was really fun as well. Uh, although the ending, I, I mean, God, it, yeah, pretty much destroyed me. Um, then I watched, uh, Rubber's Lover from 1996, another Japanese low-budget, um, crazy, uh, metal fetish, addiction style movie uh corporate drug addiction whatever um my god this was awesome basically it's about a bunch of guinea pigs being infected with psychic pleasure of industrial corporate tech and they have mind altering like like flesh losing substances uh in their veins and it's like it's like this um it's like this uh you know they they all attack each other looking for this next kick um of the drug that they've been given uh it's very cyberpunk very like BDSM metal heavy uh Japanese disgusting what like post-industrial um god it's so good um this is exactly what I want out of a movie uh if you give me a bunch of people going insane in a corporate government lab because they want this drug and they want uh, this next sexual violent kick out of and and t to you know transform their bodies like you give me that and I'm in love with it so yeah that was fantastic highly recommend it um then I got back on to uh trying to finish M. Night Shyamalan's filmography with t uh The Happening this one obviously gets a lot of hate. I don't know why. It's so much fun. It's so horrifying uh, at the same time. Although it is really goofy, obviously. Um, but it's like this. I, I described it an inexplainable expanse of ecological outrage. Uh, a test site of chaos for the awakening. Because, <clears throat> excuse me, that's going to sound terrible over Mike. Because um, it's like the earth rebelling over humans and making them, um, making them kill themselves all in horrific ways. And we watch as Mark Wahlberg and pals go and try to survive through the post-apocalyptic landscape. The ending is Jumanji all over again of, oh, it's happening again? 
but yeah, it's it's great, and the subtext that M. Night always puts in his movies of two lonely souls finding connection through traumatic events uh, is incredible, and that's what all of his movies get at. Uh, I know people hate a lot of his movies. I don't get it. I think he's a master, and I think he's one of the most interesting um, American filmmakers of our generation. Uh, and he's still making movies. Um, old last year was incredible. Uh, again, a lot of people... that That's maybe his most horrifying as a bunch of people on a beach grow old and still try to find connection through this terrible event. Um, that movie is a masterpiece. Uh, yeah. Although his best is probably Signs, I would say. Um, then I watched Terrifier from 2016. After All Hallows Eve, the public was clamoring for more Art the Clown. Uh, he comes back, murders a bunch of people. It's borderline just torture porn nonstop hour 20 minutes the infamous set piece of uh, the woman who gets hung up and, um, yeah, uh, how, like, she gets split in half and becomes two, and they do show it. It looks ridiculous, but they do show it. Um, and Art the Clown is, again, just a goofball the entire time. Uh, yeah. I, I like him. I'm excited to watch Terrifier 2, although it's two and a half hours, so I will get to it eventually. Then I followed that up with The Strangers from 2008. Uh, loved it. It feels like the ultimate evolution, the, the modern horror evolution of what uh, Michael Haneke was doing in Funny Games both the Naomi Watts version and the old, um, Alger or not Algerian version, where, uh, French version, um, where, yeah, the, the home that you already don't connect in, uh, is taken over and people with no, no reason to violently attack end up attacking and it's hopeless by the end of it literally nothing can save them god can't save them surviving can't save them um yeah it's gnarly but it's really good uh don't know why the strangers um doesn't get talked about a whole lot uh in the modern horror landscape but it's really good and deserves a lot of attention um, and I also watched the sequel, Pray at Night, The Strangers, which instead of being in a home, uh, instead, uh, three people, or no, four, four, an entire family is attacked in an empty trailer park. Again, the violence has no meaning. Um, the trauma is even more unbearable to watch. 
Uh, the screams of young children are horrific, and the killings are even more brutal. The blood and guts is awesome in it. Uh, the The pool scene, the infamous pool scene, is a borderline art house move uh, where there's no dialogue, just this berating old 70s rock song playing over insane, washed-out pool visuals as someone chases down another person. Uh, it's the, the person in the front cover with the sack over their head chasing a kid down, and it's completely silent except for the screams. Um, yeah, that scene almost made me want to just, like, give this a five stars, but for the most part, it's really good. Um, I loved it. Uh, and then I watched The Moment You've All Been Waiting. No, um, this one is just absurd. Uh, I watched Smile from 2022. I went down to the theater to watch this because I heard it was getting pretty good reviews. So I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll give this a chance. It at least deserves something. So I gave it a watch and... It's basically just it's basically just a remake of The Ring except it takes more of this like of this like um this uh connected like tree branching uh trauma producing lens where um the only way to get rid of trauma is to pass it on to some other person. Uh, and, of course, you have, you know, the the horror of, well, I'm going to die in seven days. I think they literally, you know, rip that straight from the ring in here. Uh, but, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's interesting in a post-COVID landscape of interconnected giving trauma to different people. Uh, listen, I, I know the movie is ridiculous. I know that all the jokes of like, you know, America's favorite movie, Smile, and like, America got smiled, uh, are absurd. I will keep saying them, because they're very funny. But the movie did freak me out a whole lot. Uh, I get really scared during jump scares. I know I shouldn't but I do, um, and so this movie was basically every minute there were probably at least two jump scares, so I was drenched in sweat by the end of this movie. Um, it's pretty awesome, though. Uh, smile kind of rules. My only problem with it is obviously most of it is taken from the ring, most of it is really cheesy, and the ending is amazing and very hopeless, and like, well, yeah, of course this is gonna keep happening, trauma doesn't end, um, and the, my, my only problem with the ending, though, is that they introduce a creature in the last five minutes of the movie and the design of this creature is incredible. And I don't know why they didn't just use it throughout the movie. 
because I'd probably be sitting here talking about Smile as a Masterpiece, go watch it. If they had just used that freaking creature throughout the movie, it would have been so much more scary. Um, I'm not going to spoil what it looks like. Go watch the movie. It's pretty good. It at least deserves your uh, attention, despite the fact that it's a cheesy, jump-scare-filled remake of The Ring, pretty much. Um, and oh, and also, there's a lot of crane shots in Smile, which definitely elevates it from being just your run-of-the-mill uh, jump-scare-filled trauma horror movie. So, yeah, Smile is good. Crazy, huh? Then I watched my uh, second Giallo of the month, which was Short Night of Glass Dolls. Don't ask me what the title means, but basically this was about um, a man who wakes up in a morgue and can't move but can only think and has to retrace his steps and find out why he's here and what happened to the girl that he remembers. Uh, it's part eyes wide shut, um, part like weird paranoia thriller, uh, part giallo, whatever. Um, and the, yeah, the general conceit of it is really interesting. The first, like, 20-ish minutes, I was like, okay, this could be a masterpiece, as this guy is horrified about the fact that he's probably gonna die in the morgue and be burned alive, um, and he can't do anything about it, but try to retrace his steps as to why he's here. Uh, that's pretty horrifying. Uh, it definitely gets very boring in the middle, and the ending is great. Uh, it's like the infamous um, orgy scene from Eyes Wide Shut, just done up in like a weird witchy giallo way. So yeah, a lot of fun. The ending scream and last shot is of course incredible. Um, yeah, definitely recommend it. Although... I'll probably have to rewatch it when I'm a little more familiar with Giallo movies. Uh, then I rewatched The Evil Dead, the directorial debut from Mr. Sam Raimi, and loved it beyond belief. Uh, I initially did not like it, and I don't know why. It's just pure hour and 20 minutes of visceral horror and like you're not escaping this situation the dead rose they're coming after you uh they're gonna kill you and you can't escape this it's horrifying it's really awesome the special effects are incredible sam raimi is a master ah uh, that's that then i watched Psychic Vision Jagan Ray, which is another Fox documentary sort of thing like Celluloid Nightmares was, except this time it's investigating the death of a pop star. And uh, like every single review for this movie will say, first, 
30 minutes of this movie are, you know, give or take, creepy ghost setup, whatever, like, what happened to this pop star? And then the last 20 minutes, they go to a recording of a music video now that the pop star has died. It's like, well, what are they doing now to to uh, showcase her music? And the last 20 minutes are insane. There's a lot of crazy uh, bending of arms in ways where they shouldn't bend. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's pretty scary in the last 20 minutes, but it's, yeah, it's fun. Um, then I watched Sick-O-Pathics from 1996. Uh, I know I talk a lot about the Japanese shot-on-video movement and America shot-on-video movement, but did you know Italy had a shot-on-video movement in the 90s? Um, this is absurd. This, like, should not exist. Uh, and yet it does. Um, it's, let's see here. Okay. The first story is a, uh, a man getting a, a sex doll that unleashes a worm that ends up creating a cocoon for the man to then f the man becomes another sex doll and that cycle just repeats yeah it's really crazy um then the second story is handbags splitting people into two and like leaving insane bloodied ripped out messes on uh in apartments and then the third story is like a, a silent movie of old greek people on an island it's based off a movie um i forgot which one it is but it's awesome this movie rules uh i called it the blueprint of sov um genre fair of crazy like heavy metal bloody and guts uh yeah goopy whatever dominating the frame it's so cool it feels like the ultimate trash at the bottom of the barrel that you always searched for i loved it um then i watched halloween 5 the revenge of michael myers uh yeah this one is kind of ridiculous and I don't have a whole lot to say about it other than I get why people hate it. But it's okay. It's alright. I, I literally can't say anything about it because it's fine. Um, then I watched Alien Beasts from 1991. Another shot on video backyard footage. Uh, crazy like sci-fi whatever movie. Um, this is absurd. The, the whole movie is so low budget, does not make any sense, and yet is beyond charming to watch. Uh, it drones on and on about an alien invasion, a crazy fight that is literally filled, filmed in someone's backyard. 
Uh, it's borderline experimental at times with the uh, with the cutting of scenes and the um, the the color filters that they use and the droning monologues. They repeat every monologue twice. It's exhausting. It's pretty hilarious. It reminds me of rabbits, but for uh, the backyard horror genre. It's pretty great. Um, and then I finally watched Night of the Living Dead. This, this and the other dead movies I watched throughout it are like maybe like new all-timers for me i can't believe i hadn't watched these before but they're so good um i'm just gonna i'm just gonna read my review for it uh basically i said society crumbling at the hands of pure taxidermy violence Save yourself because no one is going to save you. Are you that much different than the police slash media slash president slash military? Infected by a ravenous need to survive no matter what, but survive with an ego is the ultimate goal. No reason for the violence to begin with, and not a second thought is given to the irrational slaughter. The police have one, have, the police have won, and now roam the streets exactly like the dead. Not in the way they walk, but in the way they kill with an ego and a consumption. Lock your doors and survive, but make sure there's someone you can fight with. Even that won't matter after a while. Consumption and random violence infect this whole place. We built our society on death, and now the people and the dead don't seem so different from each other. Targets on the map of capitalism, the death, the dead rise. And I said, good shot. Man, this movie is so good. I'm not even going to say anything else about it. I love my review so much for it. Yeah, you know, I pat yourself on the back. You wrote a good review. Um, <laughs> then I followed that up with I went on like a stretch of just five star after five star here. Then I watched Neko Mimi, which is an experimental noise horror movie about, from Japan, of course, classic, about a group of boy, a group of kids um, who play this game and then are given a new person to play with and try to play with them. And it becomes this crazy religious accepting of uh, other people, experimental, whatever. Um, it's it's an entire nightmare. Uh, there's lots of bondage, lots of noise, um, lots of drowned out colorful images, um, lots of watery rebirths, lots of weird security camera footage. Um, yeah, I basically to sum it up, I called it security camera footage of your brain becoming one with the world while still miles away from it. You never truly connect. Uh, yeah, it's pretty incredible. I loved it. 
I you can't really talk about it without just saying it's insane and it deserves more love. Then I watched Dawn of the Dead from 1978. This one is an, uh, a sequel to Night of the Living Dead. Obviously incredible. Obviously a five star for me. Um, it's It basically deals with a bunch of people who are trapped in a mall uh, because, you know, the dead are out there. Zombies are out there. And they go on this hunt of gluttonous consumption throughout the mall and end up coming away with the idea that they are nothing without their stuff. Um, one idea has really stuck with me from this movie, and it's this tiny scene of the main couple of the movie talking and they're saying like, they're saying like, well, you know, I wouldn't want to be married right now because I wouldn't be able to have a proper wedding. And I wrote down, marriage without a wedding is nothing in the eyes of capitalism uh, because the way I interpreted it, and maybe it's reading too much into it, but it's still, the idea still holds up of like, would, would love even be proper in society at this point if you don't have the wedding to prove it? Um, and, and what has love become now that we've put our eyes of consumer capitalism over it? Uh, yeah, it's incredible. Um, it's definitely not as, uh, it's a lot more action heavy than the first one, but it's still incredible. Um, I loved it. Then I watched The Visit, another Shyamalan from 2015. Uh, okay, my friend has always told me to watch this movie, and they described it, they, like, they told me it was a horror movie, and I had always believed that it was a comedy. I don't, and I don't know why I didn't just listen to them and, and, like, think of this as a horror movie, because when I went into it, I was completely horrified by it. Uh, it's very scary. It, of course, it's the classic, we all know the plot line, uh, two kids go to visit their grandparents, grandparents are acting weird, what's going on? It's all shot on, um, found footage horror, and of course, classically, um, deals with M. Night Shyamalan's themes of connection and bringing a family closer together in the eyes of trauma. There's one scene near the very end of the, of, um, Hugging in the Rain, basically. I don't want to spoil it because incredible movie. Uh, I don't know why this one gets a lot of hate. Um, I think it's just because the kid in the movie raps a lot. And he shouldn't have rapped in the movie, sure, I, I guess. But also, did you watch the movie? It kind of rules. <coughs> Jesus. Then I watched Day of the Dead from 1985. Uh, this is maybe my favorite of the original Romero 
uh, zombie trilogy of movies. This one is very much in line with um, with the uh, nuclear panic of the 80s, and um, it involves a bunch of people living in a bomb shelter, trying to figure out um, how to how to tame the zombies and how can we use them and whether or not there are actually still people underneath the zombies. Uh, it's horrifying. The ending is horrific, oddly, oddly melancholic, a little bit, a little bit happy, but a little bit like, oh, the scientists have given up at this point. There is no hope for humanity. Um, it's awesome. I could probably do... My my plan is probably to do an entire series on George Romero's filmography because I definitely want to watch a lot more and the dead movies rule. So, yeah. And there's even more that I haven't watched yet. So, I will have to watch those. Then I watched uh, Sinister from 2012, a... A pretty good movie. Basically, it's just Ethan Hawke investigating a bunch of snuff movies. Some of them are creepy. Some of them are pretty goofy. The jump scares are kind of absurd in the movie. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, sure, I don't know. It's okay. Then I went on a little uh, four-movie stretch at work. And so I'll just talk about these in conjunction. I watched The Clown Chainsaw Massacre. 45 minutes, uh, low budget, means nothing, uh, poster rules, a um, lot of clowns murdering people with chainsaws, a lot of very boring, unnecessary side plots, even though it's 45 minutes. Then I followed that up with a low budget movie, made by a couple of kids in the suburbs called Clowns R Us. Uh, and hey, it's pretty good. I don't know, man. It's pretty good. It's on YouTube. Definitely go support it, because it's just a bunch of kids in their backyard making a movie, uh, and it's found footage, and it's pretty good. Then I watched Halloween Obsession from 2012, a Halloween fan film can't really say anything about it. It's all right. Then I watched The Signal Men from 1976, and it's, yeah, a British BBC horror story. It's fine. Um, all right, I'm going to pause Okay, and then uh, after that, I went home from work, and I watched War of the Worlds from 2005, and man, does this movie rule. Uh, I forgot that, like, Steven Spielberg is a like, amazing director. I don't know how you can just forget that. But I watched this. Uh, it's Tom Cruise. It's the end of the world. Aliens are invading. What more do you want out of a movie? Um... No, I mean, it's a lot more serious than that. It's actually, like, horrific. And a lot of 
uh, post 9-11, like, um, how can, how can society rebuild and, um, and, and, you know, let's take matters into our own hands and fight, fight against the attackers and pro-military, pro-police, uh, pro-protection um, style movie, whether or not you agree with it. I think, I think it's interesting um, to see in a movie, and obviously Tom Cruise is incredible. The kids are incredible. The first hour of the movie, I was like, oh my god, this might be the best movie ever made, and the second hour almost confirmed that. Uh, so yeah, my second favorite Spielberg. I loved it so much. My favorite has got to be um, AI, which I just watched this week, and it's a new all-time favorite for me. So yeah, I'll, oh my god, AI is so good. But War of the Worlds is also amazing. Um, I love aliens and sci-fi and big budget, whatever. Uh, it's so cool. Um, Tom Cruise is amazing. Uh, yeah, I could talk for hours about War of the Worlds. Anyways, then I followed that up with Chopping Mall from 1986. Actually, alright, let me, let me just say something more about War of the Worlds. I don't think I talked about this too much. There's a scene in a car where a mob of people tries to take the car because they want to survive by themselves and it comes down the whole premise of the set piece comes down to who has the gun therefore who has the power and then it doesn't matter because the aliens attack a minute later god it's so good um, society crumbling movies are my favorite of all time, so, oh man, it was so good. Um, anyways, Chopping Mall, classic 80s horror movie, very action heavy, very goofy, absolutely rules. Um, it's a bunch of teens getting together to have sex in a mattress shop, and then they end up uh, they end up getting attacked by security robots in the mall. It's so cool. It's a lot of fun. Um, the best part of the movie, though, is this one line where the teens are like, you know, the scariest part of the night is what we'll have to pay for the damages done to the mall. And I just sat there and went, oh my god capitalism is literally everywhere um my god these kids are ruined uh very scary well i mean it's not okay i guess it's not a scary movie but it was a lot of fun i loved it um then i watched for uh french cinema class that's also where i watched um the uh eyes without a face twice but we watched Beauty and the Beast, a very lovely uh, adaptation um, from 1946 of the classic movie. <coughs> Excuse me. The set design in it was creepy and very lovely. 
Um, and yeah, what more can I say? It's Beauty and the Beast. It's awesome. Then I watched, uh, then, yeah, oh yeah, this was on Halloween as well. So we're like at the end now, I promise. I know this is like long, but I watched a lot. And if you're still listening, thank you. Um, then I watched one of my favorite, uh, low budget Japanese gore fests. I watched Guzzo, The Thing Forsaken by God. Um, it's incredible. Uh, it's basically House from Japan, if you've ever seen that. Uh, a bunch of girls go to a, a country home, and, uh, there's a scientist working on, um, working on this tentacle turtle monster that she found and experimenting with it and it attacks the girls through mirrors and eventually escapes out of the basement and starts to attack them uh it's beautiful it's lovely gore fleshy gross monster movie tentacles wrapped around flesh sort of thing it's incredibly my shit um i it's so awesome i could probably watch this like once a day and it would never get old it's just that good uh and it's so sad because it's called the thing forsaken by god part one and there's no part two out there which is very sad for me um but it just you know i, I guess it didn't land with, uh, I guess it just didn't land in the, even in the underground film market, but it's up on YouTube. They say there's no DVD out there, so it was very hard for them to get a copy up on YouTube, but thankfully it's up there, so, yeah. And then, of course, I finished the month off with Halloween, the original from 1978, Always a fun tradition to watch on Halloween. Always a joy of a movie to revisit. Uh, I watched it in theaters, and I was so excited to watch this movie in theaters. Um, and, okay, movie's incredible, whatever. Uh, actually, yeah, let me just talk about the positives real quick. What I noticed this time was just how much more real the screams and the trauma of the young girls being attacked by the pure evil of Michael Myers get with each viewing. Um, Halloween has become a ritualized film where every year we watch it and we experience this trauma and every year uh, Jamie Lee Curtis goes on the, the doorstep of the Myers household and is placed in this endless thrill of trauma, and, uh, yeah, I mean, very much a ritualized film in that way, and, yeah, also just an incredible movie, um, uh, there's not a whole lot you can say about it besides it invented everything we know and love today, uh, and, I will probably watch it every year on Halloween 
till the day I die because it's that incredible. Um, anyways, got to see it in theaters, was very excited to see it in theaters, and uh, realized that most of the people uh, in the movie theater were just obnoxious throughout the whole thing. Which, you know, listen, fine to talk through some of the scenes. I get it if you want to laugh at some of the stuff in there. Um, but when, like, the third act of Halloween hits, it's one of the scariest sequences in uh, film history. And to have people laughing through it, and some people who were completely disrespecting uh, the legacy and just the idea of Halloween um, and just yelling at the screen like, Jamie, why aren't you stabbing him so many times? And like, and like, God, why is this girl so dumb? Why isn't she just stabbing the guy? I was like, do you understand what you're watching here? I don't know. Listen, it makes me sound a little snobby to say that, but I do think that the whole uh, way in which we watch horror movies now, which is a lot of, well, 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 why, you know, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you stabbing the guy? I, I'm like, first of all, she's a child. Um, and, you know, second of all, do you want to watch the movie or not? Do you want to be entertained or not? Oh my god, people are just so dumb. Uh, there was literally, there was a kid sitting next to me who all he could do was complain about the decisions the characters made. All he could do was complain about the dialogue being said and about how cheesy it sounded. And I was like, alright, who cares? If the movie is good, the movie is good. Stop looking for all your plot holes and stop looking for all your, your you know, Jamie Lee Curtis as an action star uh, sort of things, you know? Like, you wouldn't, you're, I know you're not entertained right now by the movie, but you could be if you just watched it. I don't know. People are obnoxious. Uh, I went home with kind of a sour taste in my mouth. And wish I just stayed home and watched it on my own time. But anyways, it was obviously an incredible movie. Uh, everything that we know and love today in the horror genre is because of that movie. So, yeah. Thank you, John Carpenter. Um, anyways, I've been going on for too long. I gotta get off of this movie. Uh, off of this podcast. So... Next week will be uh, From Beyond from Stuart Gordon, 1989, I think. Um, or no, two weeks it will be that. Um, so yeah, thank you all for listening. Follow me on Letterboxd if you want to see this list um, to, you know, add any of the movies, I guess. Um, my Letterboxd is Eli Holmey. Uh, follow me there if you would like, and yeah, follow me on Instagram at Eli Holmey. Uh, that's that. I'm going. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. Goodbye, everybody.